1: 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Merrill Griff.
2: Hi, I'm Dr. Meryl, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Deanna. Hi, welcome back. Ah, I hear you were talking about cookies last week when I was, uh, <laughs> I was with Thomas the Tank Engine and you were talking about cookies.
3: <laughs> Thomas the Tank and cookies, those are two different things, <laughs> although you could have had cookies. We did, but we talked about cookies. Did you? I asked everybody to send in their favorite cookie, what it is to you, and maybe where they get it, so that you could go when you're out traveling, mm-hmm. that you could go visit their favorite place and have one of their favorite cookies.
2: Okay, so I'm waiting to hear where your favorite cookie is to like England or Paris, so uh, I just will have to go there. It'll be a business trip to go get cookies. And take a photo, right? Right, and take a photo. So we're going to be talking about things international today, and our first guest is Anu Partaman, which is not exactly how you pronounce her name, but... Um, that's how I am capable of pronouncing her name and she is the author of the Nordic theory of everything in search of a better life so Anu was a journalist in Helsinki uh, for many years she's worked at Fortune magazine as a visiting reporter through a fellowship program at Stanford University she currently lives in New York City and her work has appeared in the New York Times and in the Atlantic and we're very fortunate to have Anu with us today, not only because she has written an outstanding book and is very, very insightful and knowledgeable woman, but also because she is expecting and is due at any moment. So quickly, Deanna, (laughs) ask
3: questions. (laughs) Welcome, Anu. Thank you so much.
4: Thank you for having me. (laughs) Uh,
3: You know, my first question before you go anywhere (laughs) is, uh, what brought you to the U.S.? Can you tell us and start with that? Sure, sure. It was a very classic
4: story. Of course, it was love. I I was living in Finland. Quite happily, I was in my early 30s already and working as a journalist. And I had lived all my life in Finland. I had um, spent a year abroad as an exchange student in Australia. And then later in college, another year in France. So these were sort of these international times abroad. But otherwise, I was quite happily living in Finland. But then I came to the United States to a journalism conference, and I met an American man, and we fell in love, and so eventually I moved to the United States, and now I've been here almost nine years. That's great. So, Anu,
2: from your perspective, you know, what is the most striking differences, do you think, between the two cultures?
4: I really think that just, to put it bluntly, American life is so much more stressful. It's quite amazing, really. And and it's a really interesting question when, when we talk about what is culture, what is policy, what is result of, you know, the way people are or the way families are built or like what are the factors that contribute to a life in different countries. And for me, of course, Finland is very different from the United States in many ways. And I think if we talk about just the way of people being in the world, Venice can be kind of inward-turned and quiet and maybe socially awkward, and Americans are, of course, very outgoing <laughs> and, and fun to be around. So that's a big difference, obviously. But for me, one of the biggest differences is that simply because of the way the countries are arranged by how things like childcare or health care, all these things we talk about all the time currently as well in the United States are arranged, Life here just seems in many ways harder. And I often think one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book that I wrote was because I was thinking that this is just kind of unnecessary. The United States is such a wealthy country. It is so advanced in so many ways in technology and science and everything. And then when I came here, I was really surprised to see that for people to just sort of arrange the logistics of their everyday lives, it, it's just a lot harder than what I was used to back home in Finland.
2: Do you think I knew some of that has to do with the fact that you're living on the East Coast? I mean, I was born and raised in the East. It, it's a much different lifestyle. I'm now living in the Midwest. Um, the pace is different. Um, people respond to each other differently. Um, it's completely different in the South. So I'm just wondering if some of that has to do with the fact that
4: you're living in New York. I mean, I'm sure it's true. And I, I certainly kept that in mind when I was working on the Balkan. And I've been thinking of that a lot. Because, of course, that's what people often say. And, of course, they're right. You look at... The pace of life in New York, the competition, how high the rents are, all this, of course, it contributes especially to a pace of life that might be in other parts of the country much more relaxed or or quieter. But I do think that many of the same issues are, they're the same everywhere. Childcare is expensive everywhere. Healthcare is expensive everywhere. Uh, Paying for your children's college tuition is expensive everywhere. So many of these things that... That creates stress, especially for parents and families, are the same around the country. And if we look at the recent elections and and the atmosphere around the country, it seems to me that people are fairly anxious around the country and not only in these big cities where, of course, admittedly, um, the pace of life can be much more hectic.
2: So let's talk about healthcare since you brought it up, and let's talk about the differences um, in the healthcare system and how that works in the Nordic countries. I mean, what do you think are the strengths and weaknesses of uh, each country's healthcare system?
4: So I think we all can agree everywhere that in the United States, um, there are fantastic research facilities, fantastic universities, fantastic doctors and medical facilities when it comes to healthcare. And Americans, I think, are completely right to be proud of their healthcare system in that sense, to think that, well, in the U.S., you can get the best care in the world in many cases. However, I think the way the U- American healthcare system is arranged through private insurance, through employers, um, it just makes it very expensive. The United States spends far more on health care than any other country in the world, any other country. It is quite astonishing if you look at the graphs and statistics of how much more America really spends It stands alone. And so then, of course, you can think that, OK, well, if you have the best health care in the world, of course, you get what you pay for. And that's why you're paying so much. But overall, then, when you start looking at, like for my book, I um, interviewed ordinary people, but I also read a lot of studies and international comparisons. And if you compare countries and and the results in terms of people's health, America actually doesn't do that much better. So then it becomes this question of, well, Americans pay so much, it's fairly complicated, People are kind of stressed out about healthcare situation, as we know, about the conversation of how to best arrange it right now, and then the results are not significantly better than elsewhere, even though, of course, some individual hospitals might be better than in other countries or whatnot. So I think it's a really relevant question of what is the best way of arranging healthcare so that it serves most people well. And that is efficient because, of course, healthcare care costs are going up all the time and we can't just keep thinking that we can pay more and more and more eternally. So we have to do something. And so the big difference is that all other wealthy, industrialized, developed countries have some form of universal health care, which just basically means that everybody has a right to health care in some form or another. I mean, you pay for it in taxes or you pay for it in in uh, some countries also have insurance-paid systems. But America is the only one that has these for-profit insurance companies, for-profit hospitals, and that leads so much of it to the marketplace. And in all honesty, when you look at the results, it doesn't seem like it's necessarily the most efficient or best way to go. And if I think about what life was like for me in Finland, so Nordic countries are a group of countries that arrange health care so the same way Americans arrange police departments or fire departments. So basically, it's paid through taxes. It's a public service. Anybody can go to a doctor at a public clinic. They may, might be small co $20 or something. But, the, for example, in Finland, all the co-pays are capped in a year to about $600. So once you reach that limit, you don't have to pay anything for any care, even if you're in the hospital, you have cancer or whatever. And so this is sort of arranged as a public Service. There are private doctors, too. You can go and you can pay yourself if you want to. But overall, it's just um, there for everyone. And it has nothing to do with your employment or your employer. Employers don't have to arrange it. And you don't have to worry about it if you change jobs or if you're self-employed or if you're retired or unemployed or home with your baby. It's there. And so I think that's a huge factor in how much sort of stress you feel, how secure you can feel in your life. When I was living in Finland, I hardly ever thought about health If I wasn't sick, I didn't think about it. I didn't have to do anything about it. And when I moved to the United States, that actually changed quite quickly because partly I'm self-employed, partly when my husband changed jobs, every time my health insurance situation changed. So I found myself spending hours and hours simply trying to pick out plans and figure out what's the best solution, all these things, even when I wasn't sick. And then, of course, if you do get sick, there are all the bills that are coming and you have to work it all out. So I think that is a big, big difference. And it affects your quality of life in many ways, not just in terms of is the care good or not, but in terms of how much time it takes, how much you have to worry about it, how, how many hours you have to spend on the phone talking to your insurance company. These were things I never had to worry about back home in Finland. You know, it's interesting you say that, Anu,
2: because I know, and I know those are the differences, and, and we certainly do have problems with the American healthcare care system. Um, I mean, one of the problems is because the, the insurance companies cannot cross state lines. Um, I feel as though that creates a lot, a lot of problems, and those things could be resolved by just allowing competition in the market. But I know from my friends in um, England and a variety of other countries, um, the issue that they face, and I'll give you a specific example, for instance, a friend of mine in mm-hmm. Scotland who um, they d- d- discovered a tumor um, in her breast, uh, her wait time um, for the just the initial treatment for that was going to be five months. Um, her family oh, wow. ended up flying her into the United States um, because they felt as though they, they did not want her to wait that long. And I I have, heard those stories as I travel throughout you are frequently about wait times um, for, uh, for care especially for surgery we know there are a lot of French Canadians that come into this country for heart care for cardiac care right. um, because they don't They don't want to wait. Um, And when I was in Russia two years ago, they talked to me a lot about the issue of if you want clean needles, for instance, when you go into the hospital, you have to buy them and supply them yourself. So that's the other side of what I've been hearing um, as I I travel throughout. So
4: um, Sure. Um, I'm surprised by the story from the UK. That sounds like a really long time to wait for sure. Um, I think that's true. All healthcare systems have problems. I mean, no country has a perfect healthcare system, although based on all the research I did and all the studies I looked at and people I interviewed. So my book compares mainly um, Nordic countries and the United States. So I have not researched Russia or so on, so I can't really speak for that, but I did read a lot of studies that were by international organizations comparing several countries, so not just Nordic countries, but other countries as well, And overall, the findings were that certainly some countries have longer wait times than the United States. Absolutely, the U.S. in some ways excels in that, but but not all. For example, you have countries like the Netherlands or Switzerland who also have some form of universal health care. And in those countries, people actually have access to specialists better and faster than the United States. So it's not that it's automatically you have long wait times if you have some form of universal health care. In Finland, what they did was they capped... I think it's um, there are sort of rules that you have to be able to see a doctor within three days of calling the public clinic and then depending on how urgent your care is, you have to get. But it is true that if you have something that's not life-threatening, I mean, I think the breast care cancer um, scare example really surprises me because usually I would imagine that that would be more urgent. But in, in Finland, for example, if you have to go to a cataract surgery, you might have to wait six months for sure. But, mm-hmm. but it depends how you're classified. But I think when you right, look right. at, for example, cancer care results, um, the North countries, Sweden and Finland, they're always right there with the United States as best in the world. It so certainly has, uh, in many cases, in, for example, the well, world, absolutely, but other countries can be very close. And then we are discussing sort of like, mm-hmm. okay, so if the results are somewhat similar, then who's paying more, right. than what is the best way to do it. Right. But, of course, so, I absolutely agree that long wait times are a problem if, if, yeah. if it really is that long.
2: So you're, we're talking to Anu Partinen, who's the author of The Nordic Theory of Everything, In Search of a Better Life. We've been discussing the differences between the Nordic countries and the U.S. When we return, we're going to be asking Anu about differences in um, family systems and relationships with seniors. We'll be right back.
5: Network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants transportation and financial assistance is available call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how sarah care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com that's s-a-r-a-h care.com
2: Hi, welcome back to Caught Between Generations. And we're here with Anu Partanen, and she is the author of The Nordic Theory of Everything in Search of a Better Life. Welcome back,
3: Anu. Thank you. All right. Um, We were talking about healthcare when we went to break. And so, one of the things that we didn't ask you, and I know that you're expecting very shortly, uh, very soon, is what are the differences between our um, time off for expectant mothers or mothers, new mothers, and the Finlands. What is? What are the differences? And then daycare. What? What are the differences in daycare?
4: Yeah, the differences are really, really. Big. Um, so in all Nordic countries, uh, all parents, all women, are entitled to at least nine months of paid parental leave. They have a little bit different systems. And in Finland, the initial paid parental leave is about 10 months. And that is sort of tied to your salary. So it's a percentage, maybe 70% of what you made when you were on the job. And this can be divided between the parents. So the father can take it as well. The family can figure out what is the best solution for them. But in fact, in Finland, you can stay home even longer. You can stay at home until the child turns three years old. And during that time, you will get a small stipend. It's not going to be 70% of your salary, but you will get some uh, child benefit from the government. And you can still hold on to your job. So this is, from American perspective, I know it can seem kind of crazy. (laughs) But I think in Nordic countries, it's just considered really important that people can combine um, taking care of their children, taking care of their family, and working And what that actually then in the end means is that if you look at statistics of women working in Nordic countries, women actually tend to be more often employed than in the United States. Because I think in America, women often face this uh, either or. Either you go back to work very quickly or you have to quit your job completely. Whereas in a Nordic country, you can sort of feel good about taking time off to to take care of your child and be financially somewhat secure while you're doing that and then you have your job waiting for you so that's one big difference and as far as daycare yeah. goes all these you know also you have, know a
2: yeah. new. let me let me stop you for a minute before you get into daycare because mm-hmm. i guess i look at this from two perspectives so i look at it as a mother. And as a mm-hmm. as a therapist and I think well that's great because you, you need that time you need to spend time with your children and I think that's fabulous then I look as it as an employer all right <laughs> three years and I'm thinking I have to hold this job open okay I mean I understand I can hire someone else but but what uh-huh. does that mean so I, I hire someone else into this position and what I say to them well you understand that you may not have a job in two years because because a new will be coming back at the end of two years? I mean, how does that work? I, I just don't understand that. Mm.
4: Yeah, that's a great question. Good question. Um, so, first of all, one important thing to understand is that the pay during parental leave in Nordic countries does not come from the employer. It is paid from public insurance fund. So, that means what, what? that all in. Everybody, both men and women and employers, all basically pay a small payroll tax that goes into a fund, and then when you're um, away on your parental leave, you get paid from there. So from employer's yeah. perspective, of course, it might mean more taxes, but but it doesn't mean that you're stuck paying that person's salary while they are away. Right, right. And, and I then, understood that
2: yeah. part. But my, my problem was yeah. not in paying yeah. the salary. My problem is... sure.
4: I'm going to hire you, but I'm telling you, you may not have a job in a year. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think in Nordic countries, because it is so common, people completely understand that, that actually a lot of people, I have, for example, worked as somebody who is substituting for someone who is on parental leave, especially when I was young. When I was in in my 20s, I was hired, and I was very excited when I got a job for two years working in a newspaper in a great job because someone else was on a parental leave. So sure, of course there's the uncertainty that okay, when they come back am I gonna be out of a job. But I think I think in Nordic countries both employers and employees often think that this is actually a great opportunity to for an employer to test a new person that they're hiring. And if they if that person's not great, well they didn't commit to them for life. And then for the employee it can be a great opportunity that, okay, I can show what I can do, and then maybe they will still keep me or give me another position, which often happens, but then it continues. But it's also, I think, for many companies, when they, I, in my book, for example, quote um, the H&R rep from uh, H&M, which is a gigantic Swedish clothing um, company, and they were saying that, well, when people both men and women take their parental leaves, they often move people around in the within the company and they think of this as an p- opportunity to test people in different positions and see how they're doing and then move people around. But I think when it becomes accepted in the whole society and it becomes routine, it's just part of the way of doing business and it's not really considered a huge problem.
3: That makes sense to me. Um, since we're we're talking about parenting and the parental leave, why don't we just move to parenting and the differences in parenting styles that you see in the Nordic countries versus the U.S.? Actually, I'm really
2: sorry, Diana. Oh. I don't mean to do this to you, but I but I really want to kind of skip. Skip, oh, okay. skip generations, and, okay. I, and I want to go to care of seniors. That's fine. Okay, <laughs> because we only have limited time. So, Anu, tell us about care of seniors and uh, issues around grandparents and seniors.
4: Yeah. So, also, growing old is very different. The process around retirement, around elderly care, in Nordic countries, this too is arranged in a similar manner than, for example, the health that we talked about before. So, um, usually everybody pays what in America is social security, basically. So, similar way in payroll taxes, you pay for retirement, but these funds are invested in public retirement funds, and that is usually people's only retirement income, and the levels are reasonably high They're again a percentage of what you made on the job so in Nordic countries people don't necessarily save a lot for them, themselves for retirement they don't have retirement accounts they sort of trust the publicly arranged system where money automatically goes from all paychecks and then when it comes to elderly care that also is a taxpayer-funded service so you have nursing homes and as well as the hospitals and so on that are paid through taxes and everybody has a right to a spot. But I think all Nordic countries have really put emphasis on keeping people at home as long as possible. I mean, people want to, of course, most most of us would like to live in our own home as long as we can. And so then they have these um, publicly arranged services that you have nurses or you have um, people who come and clean or go do grocery shopping for you. And these are mostly paid, again, from taxpayer funds. But certainly people participate in the cost themselves as well. You are expecting to pay part of the bill and so on, so it's not completely free usually. But it works quite well, and it frees you, people, from having to worry that, oh, I'm not going to have enough money for retirement, which, of course, in the United States is a big concern for many. And it also helps grown children because they can feel that their parents are getting the basic services provided already from the city or the municipality or other public instance. And then, of course, people help their parents a lot and go over and keep them company and take them to the doctors, of course, just like in America. But I think it takes some of the financial pressure off families and people growing older. So now, what are your taxes in, in the Nordic countries? Yeah, that's again a really good question. I think income taxes, the tax that you pay from your salary, is actually usually lower than Americans think. I think Americans tend to think that, okay, it's going to be like 70% that Nordic country people in Nordic countries pay. That's not true. That actually was probably true sometime in the 1970s. But Nordic countries have changed a lot. And this is one of the points I, I really wanted to make in the book, that if that we should look at where we are now. Like these are very free market capitalist countries that do offer a lot of choice and services and you can buy your own services as an elderly person too, if you want to. But they still believe that some of these essential social services should be arranged through taxpayer funds, which of course means that overall these countries collect more taxes than the United States does, but they actually collect them more in terms of taxes on gas or taxes on food taxes on things we consume rather than out of your paycheck. So uh, for me, for example, when I moved from Helsinki in Finland to the United States and I live in New York city, The taxes are the same, the income taxes. Because in New York, of course, you pay federal tax, you pay city tax, you pay state tax. I'm a self-employed person in America. I pay self-employment tax. So it was quite surprising to me to realize that literally I did my taxes to both countries for three years because I had to. I could see that I paid exactly the same. Some years I paid more in New York City, but I got a lot less in return. Because of course Nordics, they pay these taxes, but then they get all these services. And of course, it's a really important, even philosophical question: Do you feel like it's a good thing that you pay taxes and then you get services in return, or do you feel like it's better that everybody buys the service themselves? For me, the main difference is that it's been easier to get them through taxes in Finland. That I don't have to think about it; it's there when I need it. Right. But
2: yeah. Different. Anu, I want you to hold that thought. We're going to um, come back with you um, uh, in just a few minutes. So hold on, and we'll be back with Anu, and we will get to Deanna's question <laughs> All right. about parenting. So stay with us. It's Dr. Burrell with Deanna and Anu. Stay with us.
5: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness where's your dad what's he doing you'd know if he was at SarahCare daytime senior care and activities you'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking computers yoga golfing and he's home by dinner you'd know Sarah Care lpn and rn nursing care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages you'd know how's your dad he's just fine at SarahCare daytime senior care and activities Call 330 451 6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care.
0: We're on the cutting edge of social media.
1: Can you keep up? Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. who are listening to caught between generations to reach our program today please call 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 you may also send an email to dr merrill at caught between now back to the show
3: hi welcome back we're talking with a new uh partyan and this this is deanna and merrill welcome back Anu. Thank you. So we've been talking to you about the Nordic theory of everything. And when we last left you, um, we were discussing taxes and sort of how things are different in the Nordic countries and how a lot of the taxes and um, are pulled together and the health care is available for people in a different way than the U.S. And you kind of ended on the note that is, is the taxes, um, taking more taxes out, is that a good thing? And so do you have any last thoughts on that, um, kind of pulling our resources together to help each other? Yeah, so one of the things I often think about that having a
4: system like the Nordic countries have, where everybody pays taxes and then everybody gets services in return, I think one thing that Americans often think that that means is that, well, that means that the wealthy and the hardworking end up paying for the lazy or or the poor, and then it's sort of a charity-based system, Mm -hmm. and people are not necessarily so interested in that. And I completely understand that, but I think that is actually a, a misunderstanding of the Nordic system, because in the Nordic system, I think most people feel that they pay taxes to get the services for themselves. They serve everyone, but even as somebody who's in the middle class or upper middle class, you get very high quality services in return for your money. You get the healthcare, elderly care, daycare, which for families is a big deal. It's very cheap in Nordic countries to get very high quality, well-regulated daycare with trained people who have to have a a degree in um, social work or education or whatnot. And so I think that's just important to understand that it's not really a system where everybody just out of the goodness of their heart wants to pay for other people's services. It's more that everybody sees that, well, this is actually making my life easier and I am paying for me. As well as, of course, then others at the same time, since obviously progressive taxation means that people who are wealthier then end up paying a little bit more. So what about, let's
2: get back to the issue though of, so if if a senior is living in their home, you know, they mm. they have support services. Um, if they need to go, to are there assisted living centers? Although I know the answer to the this actually, there are assisted livings in the Nordic countries. Yeah. So I would assume that the taxes pay for nursing home as well as assisted living. Is that is that yeah. true?
4: Yeah, okay. that's true, they do. Uh, these countries might, might have a little bit different systems, but taxes pay for most of it. Usually, for example, in Finland, um, you are required to pay in relation to your retirement income. So basically, it's on a sliding scale, and it's you have to pay um, part of your care or your assisted living facility or nursing home based on the money coming in. But you do not have to sell your house or sell your stocks or investments so basically you don't have to use up all your funds like perhaps in the united states in order to for example get help from medicaid you have to first exhaust your own funds in nordic countries it's more considered that well this is something that everybody pays for tax through taxes or in the course of their life and then of course they contribute from their retirement income but they don't have to first use all of their assets
2: Okay. So, let's talk about families and how families relate to one another and uh, and the family systems. So do you see the family systems and how multi-generations uh, relate to one another different in the United States than in the Nordic countries?
4: Yes, I think it is very different, in fact. Um, I think people in all countries love their families, and that's not really you know a difference or question. everybody, um parents take care of their children and and children take care of the elderly parents, and that's of course the same. But I think in the United States, there is a lot of emphasis on family, and because of the way the society is built, family is often the main caregiver or the support network that that grandparents maybe take care of children because daycare is expensive or adult children take care of their elderly parents a lot because either the insurance payments or otherwise the care is expensive or it has to be arranged differently. And that can be a wonderful thing. I'm often very impressed and I really love the way Americans emphasize family and support family and, and help each other within the family. In the Nordic countries, I think families can also be close. But there is this very strong idea that it's a good thing if everybody can also be independent of their family in many ways. And it already starts in childhood. Um I think Nordic children tend to be more independent than American children in terms of walking to school or to hobbies or or just sort of living a life without parents always supervising. And then that continues partly in practical terms because... University education is also provided through um, tax funds. So there are no tuition payments. Parents don't have to pay for their children's college education, which means the children in a way can be more independent in in choosing what to study, where to ch- study, as long as they you know, get good grades enough to get into university. But I think these systems that in the United States can create these dependencies within families that a child's fate for example is very much tied to whether parents can pay for college education or help the child through the very complicated college application um, process in Nordic countries that's not actually really true Um, children can, it's an easier time to go to college and do these things even if their parents don't have the skills or the money to help them and then if you look at elderly people I think it's very interesting that Like I was saying earlier, that that there's a lot of public services that help the elderly. So then an American might think that, well, but that's terrible. Like the government has taken the place of family and people are not taking care of their own anymore. And they're just sort of living alone, dependent on the government. But in reality, if you look at how Nordic people live, they certainly do help their families and they take time. Um, to be with their parents and, and children and so on. They just don't want to be dependent on their families, financially especially. I think that's a big I difference. Mean, and that's good. And I, know, I, I, I want to clarify
2: something about education mm-hmm. because, because I think there's a lot of confusion around this issue. And I think when Americans hear about the university being paid for, it, they think, Woo! that's great. You know, I just can go through school and go to the university. And even if I need remedial reading um, and math, my university is still going to get paid for. So my understanding is in Germany and England and in the Middle East, or anyway, in those countries, and I I don't know if it's different in the Nordic countries, your, your, your testing occurs in what we would call an elementary school level. So, basically, it's decided on the sixth grade which track you're going to. And you're either going to go go into, to simplify this, the university track or the non-university track. Mm -mm. It's it's not an automatic process. Um, And if... um, you choose, you know, to go to the university track when you have not tested in the elementary grade level to be in the university track. The only way you can get there is if parents pay privately uh, for you to now be on the university track. I know for sure that's how it is in England and Germany, and in the Middle East in countries like Egypt, for example. Um, not only is it decided at an early point whether you're going to university or not, but uh, once you get to the university level, you only have a limited choice of careers. So, for instance, we have someone who works for uh, who works with me and works with us in the office. Her husband had a choice. He could go to medical school or become a pharmacist. That was it. All right. That was uh-huh. the decision. Okay. So, I say that only because I, I, I think what happens sometimes is is Americans think that in every other country in the world, University education is free, and even if you don't have the best grades in the world and you fool around or do whatever in junior high or high school, it doesn't matter. You're still going to go to the university that's still going to get paid for. And that is not accurate in every country. How does how does that happen in the Nordic countries?
4: Yeah, sure. That's a, an interesting point and question. So in Nordic countries, what you were describing now, it doesn't work the way that that it would be decided early on. I think, for example, if we take Finland, that has done very well, actually partly why Finland has become sort of more famous than its size would (laughs) warrant because it's a small country, is because there are these um, PISA studies, international surveys that look at 15-year-olds in each country, and and basically all the kids do the same tests in all countries, and then they see how well they do. And Finland has done very well on these tests for the past um, decade or so, two decades. And so, in Finland, all children go to the same um same track. There are no different tracks. It's basically the same public school. Finland actually doesn't really even have private schools the way the United States does. There are some independent schools that can be religious or can be based on language, a German language school or French language school. There are Waldorf schools. But all of these, again, are funded through public funds, they're not allowed to charge tuition. So overall in Finland, everybody pretty much goes to the public schools, but what Finland has shown based on these international comparisons that you can create very good public schools that serve all children well. So that's one great thing that Finland has to be proud of. But so everybody goes to these. Then the difference to America is that in Finland, when you get to a high school level, so you're about... Um, 16 years old, and Finns start school a little later than Americans, and you start choosing your high school, which is a three-year school, there are two different types. There's a vocational high school, and there's some more, to, more academic high school. And um, these days, about half of Finnish kids actually go to vocational high school, and about half go to um, to academic high school. So it depends on what you want to do and what your inclinations are. But you can go to university from both these tracks. So in Finland, you certainly are not like dropped from... Your choices are not limited because you didn't do so well when you were young in school. But it's also not true that you can go to university if you did very poorly in school. Most of the Finnish universities have entrance exams that are then can be quite difficult. You have to read books and you have to... They look at your grades from high school and so on. So if you want to be a doctor, for example the The medical schools are public. You don't have to pay for it, But you have to work very hard to have the grades to get into that school. So okay. in that sense, then, it's not just that everybody can go, but it's not dependent on your money situation. Got it. I know th- I w- thank you for clarifying
2: that. We have to take a quick break. This is very interesting. We'll be right back.
5: Your life, your health, your network.
1: Sarah Care. We provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved ones' needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved. Involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at SarahCare.com. That's S A R A H care.com.
5: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call one 866 472 5792 That's one 866 472 5792 You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtbetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show.
3: Hi, welcome back. We're talking with a new Partion, and she is the author of the Nordic Theory of Everything in Search of a Better Life. Welcome back, Anu. Thank you. All right. So, um, you know, at the beginning of the show, you had talked about when you first came to the US that you were surprised, that you were surprised about the the stress level of many of the people here, and that maybe that we were a lot more anxious than what you had originally thought. And so can you tell me, you've been here nine years, and it sounds like that stress level possibly affected you as well. Have Have you overcame that um, feeling of stress and anxiousness that you first felt when you moved here? I think I have to say, in know, honesty,
4: it, it comes and goes. <laughs> it comes and goes. I think I cope better now that I'm used to it, but I'm still not you know, rid of it. And I guess in American life, you maybe never can be. For example, Mm -hmm. now I am expecting my first child. And so, of course, in a new way, uh, I'm very concretely, my husband and I are trying to figure out how to arrange our life with a child. And I am, for example, following... Uh, closely. My neighborhood has a very active parents association with online conversations, and people are very helpful. I love that. I think it's amazing how helpful Americans are to even strangers and always giving support uh, in personal questions and so on. But it is still, to this day, after nine years in the United States, I can Mm -hmm. be a little bit surprised, amazed, when I follow the conversations, that it's not just me who's anxious, but how much time, for example, women spend trying to figure out Pumping milk, you know, how do you pump milk at work? If you're going to travel, um, if you're going to a conference, uh, what about daycare? Which place? How expensive? What about work hours? Can you get out of work early enough? Like all these very practical matters that really create anxiety, I think, for most of us. Perhaps some people in America are (laughs) in such a fortunate situation that they don't have to worry about these things. But I think a lot of us do. And and interestingly enough, I have a good friend back home in Finland who is married to an American. They lived here for 10 years, and they moved back to Finland, and they just had a baby. So we have very similar situation, and we we talk on Skype and compare. And, you know, they just really don't have these issues. They don't have to worry about similar things, partly, for example, because she doesn't have to go back to work so quickly. She has longer leave. Her husband also has three weeks off when they had the baby, to stay home at the same time with the mother to, you know, get help, help her get started, get used to the baby and so on. So I think by now I'm kind of more used to the American way of life and I can handle it, but it's still there. I mean, it's not that I've gotten over the anxiety and I think it just in many ways comes from the system for all of us. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, know.
2: Let's kind of close. Been talking about differences in parenting style. Um, what do you think are the differences between Nordic parents and American parents? And you've kind of referenced that a little bit. Um, but mm. what do you think are the primary differences?
4: I think, in in many ways, of course, parenting these days, especially in Western countries, is similar in that all parents, you know, or many parents, <laughs> certainly. Uh, want to breastfeed, want to read to their children, uh, spend weekends uh, standing at the sports field encouraging their children. So a lot of that is very similar now, I think. But overall, I think Nordic parents are able to give their children a little bit more independence, whereas in the United States, partly, of course, because people are worried about crime and all these things, and and maybe the city planning is different, so you can't really just spend your six-year-old alone to school, which is what a lot of Finnish people do, but because Finnish people can kind of trust that, okay, they don't have to cross big roads, or or the city is built in a way that it's easy to ride your bike, whereas in the U.S., of course, in many cities, you can hardly get around if you're not driving. So I think those it, create big differences. Yeah, You know, it's yeah,
2: interesting and, to me. I know I hadn't really thought about it until you started to talk about it, but as a child, um, growing up in Philadelphia, actually, we went to school. We walked to school. Um, we all uh, We all walked together to school, um, and then a little older, we all took a bus, um, and. And it was better, I thought, because a lot of issues and a lot of conflicts got worked out on the way to school and the way back home um, (laughs) from school. And parents were less involved, and there was less organized sports and less organized activities, um, which as a child therapist, I think, is a lot better because kids learn to, I think you're right, take control of their time and organize their time, and parents don't become their recreational directors, Um, and they're not dependent on that. You know, you opened the door, you walked outside, and you played with your friends, Um, and you weren't you know, we had all these games and things we've done, and we weren't expecting parents to organize and do it for us. Um, so I think things have changed in this last generation, um, and I think a lot of it does come from fear of um, and concern about safety for children, um, which yeah. is not not necessarily in the in the best interest, I think, sometimes of the children and their development. So, you know, yeah, is there I think is
4: there, there any yeah. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say that I think that's definitely that one thing is just the very concrete fears about safety. Then I think the second thing is that partly because a lot of Americans feel that the competition is so tough later, for example, to get into college or get a scholarship or so on. Then parents, of course, understandably feel like they have to be on it already when the children are young and make sure that children, you know, have the hobbies that help them later in their college application or whatnot. Not everybody thinks this way, but I perfectly understand that feeling that you have to be a kid's coach and you have to, you know, make sure that they still are in the middle class or upper middle class, that they're not the ones who end up like getting the, you know, wrong end of the stick in American society. And I think Nordics have less of that fear. So they can also feel like, well, they can let their children make their own mistakes or make their own choices or do their own homework without the parent really being involved. Because Nordic parents maybe are not quite so afraid that, well, then it's going to do my child who's not going to get to the next good school and then the next good school after that. So that also puts, I think, American parents in a difficult spot.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you you're living now in a city where my grandchildren live. I mean, it was ridiculous for from my perspective Mm -hmm. ridiculous so I mean my granddaughter to get into uh, a nursery school was taking tests and going on play interviews it was absurd to me that Um, is crazy yeah I know Um, but that is the system and if if my son and his wife did not want her going to a public school which they did not want her doing in New York for safety reasons um, Mm. she needed to go to a private Mm -hmm. school and to get into the private school she's taking an B test and um, going on she went on 10 play Interviews, you know, but okay. I, I know we would love to continue this conversation forever and ever, but we can't. So um, tell us your contact information, tell us where people can buy your book,
4: your blog. Go ahead. You yes, have one so, minute. Go. My, <laughs> okay, so my name is a little tricky to spell, but Nordic Theory of Everything is the name of the book. So just by Googling that, you can find my website. And actually, the book's paperback edition just came out two days ago. So it should be in all bookstores pretty much, I think. So it should be easy to find. But by just Googling the Nordic theory of everything, you'll find my website and my contact info. And um, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. So I do often tweet about these questions in different societies and countries.
2: All right, that's great. Anu, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Anu. Thank you very much for having me. It was a great conversation. Oh, thank you. So this is Dr. Merrill. As always, I remind you to do just one thing for yourself this week. Deanna wants you to write to me about cookies. That's okay. That could be your one thing for this week because it might relax you just thinking about it. So take good care of yourself. As a caregiver, you really need to take good care of yourself. Um, it's really, really important. So have a great week and do just one thing for yourself this week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Cut Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.